Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Way of Fanoa. Tonight, I'm joined by Brian Lewis, author with Black and Intellectual. You can check him out on uh, Twitter. It's underscore Black Intellectual. Um, and uh, just real briefly, there's like so much going on. There's always so much going on. So thank you guys for hanging in there. We're a few minutes behind, but you know me, your girl. For some reason, Skype. Now, if you all use Skype, um, I don't know how many of you actually do some of the tech stuff like with OBS and things like that, but OBS, you cannot do an OBS window capture with the newest version of like Windows Skype or whatever it is. So apparently there are like two versions of Skype on my computer and I didn't realize that one version had like all my contacts and that's the version that you can no longer, you know, use the OBS with. And so I was just like, ah, oh, whatever. But here we are, you know, they, they can't keep your girl down. Um, really wanted to dig in on this topic and I'm really excited that Brian agreed to join me. If you guys have uh, remembered, like I've done a couple of, I think I did like two podcast episodes actually yeah. with, with Brian previously. Um, one, we talked about voting rights and voter suppression and another one we talked about, I think we talked about voter suppression again, but we also talked about a whole host of other things. So thank you so much for joining me again tonight. Yeah, on that topic. I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's glad to finally talk to you again. It's been a while. It has been a while. We have one of the discussions where it's always about voter suppression because that's a very important issue. And uh, but today we're going to get into some really um, kind of crazy, um, really suspect topics mm -hmm. uh, about several. Uh, so I'm just ready to get down with it right now. Um, definitely. So one of the things you guys that that we, Brian and I had already been talking about, actually a lot of us, a lot of people have been talking about it, right? Last week I got to talk with Aaron Mate, we talked about the Russiagate, you know, story and the revelations in the Facebook, you know, ads, uh, uh, um, what, what, what has been revealed about that, which is very little. Um, and, and in continuing with this, and I know some people are like, oh my God, Russia, Russia, Russia. I know, I have been that way. Um, you know, Nick Nolan made a comment earlier when he was like, well, I've been calling Russia BS since the very beginning. You know, a lot of us have been shaking our heads about this as a distraction. There, there are different levels to this Russia conversation and alleged Russian interference, right? And it's not even clear that it's all the same actors or it's all actually, actually involved. I mean, the evidence that has been released by, you know, those authorities that have been doing investigations has been very flimsy. Um, nothing exactly concrete. And well, this we'll get into this later on in the conversation in terms of the FBI and you know their uh, tenacity and, and veracity in doing um, you know actual investigations. We saw how they handled things in terms of Hillary Clinton's case, and you can take that how you want for me. But seriously, like you know the same people who had no trust in the FBI in terms of Hillary Clinton, so now all of a sudden we're supposed to trust the FBI and what they come up with in terms of not just this RussiaGate stuff but also in terms of black identity extremists. Like you, you, we, we cannot take these things as separate occurrences of what's happening right now, along with the reckless media reporting um, concerning alleged relationships with Russian actors, allegedly, again, allegedly, and black activists or people who might've liked or shared a post here and there. There's this real hyper-focus, which coincides just two months ago just two months ago, people were chanting and marching because they wanted to end white supremacy and everyone was anti-racism. We've seen anti-fascists um, standing against, you know, right-wing um, neo-Nazi white supremacists. And now within two months, we have this pushback, which is almost a chilling effect 
on the ability not only to speak out and address the issues that are affecting our communities, but to really have a meaningful counterposition in this very saturated political economy that focuses only on maintaining the status quo in a select few. Brian, so, you know, with everything that's been happening so far in this landscape, thinking about this Russian narrative as it pertains to the conversation we're having specifically about, you know, the different news stories we saw earlier, that was like, what, five different articles in the past few days? It's, it's insane. So what are, what are some of your thoughts? Um, so basically, I was one of those people who thought that um, initially when the whole Russian, Russian investigation started, I was of the opinion that, you know, well, I'm going to see where they go. There might be something to it. There might not. But the longer this has gone on, the more skeptical <laughs> I've become. Mm -hmm. uh, especially now that uh, I mean, it was always it was always something that was a little flimsy, right? You know, where you would read the articles and there would be some unnamed source, right? But now you see it moving into another phase where they're trying to incorporate these different elements into the discussion, like for instance, um, different black activists, so black organizations. Um, you see this attempt by in some of these articles to link, um, I guess, fake profiles, fake fake news, or fake media, um, social media profiles mm -hmm. to Russia as sort of an underlying way of connecting that to Black activist movements altogether. Right. So I'm highly skeptical of that. Because of that, it makes me question the entire Russian investigation to begin with. So now, I mean, I still want to see where it goes, but like my red flags are all the way up on this right now. Like I don't, I don't really trust where this is going from now, from here on out. Because if they're going to start linking black identity extremists or black people in, in general to Russia because of these these loose connections with a couple of profiles, a couple of social media profiles then that causes us to have to question the entire thing from the beginning. Like, so a lot of people are already mentioned it. This is why a lot of people didn't really believe the Russian narrative is because people were saying, well, you know, um, this is clearly a distraction. And I do believe this. This is clearly a distraction by the media because the media gave Donald Trump $2 billion or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And freedom. made a lot of profit. Not, only, of profit not only did the media give him, what, $2 billion of of, of free airtime and uh, there was a quote from I think the CNN president saying well he was willing to do the interviews that's mm -hmm. extremely irresponsible but they also had record profit over that that year of the election cycle they CNN had record profit I think they they cracked a billion dollars and then you even had that executive I think he was at NBC if I'm not mistaken who said something along the lines of um, oh, CBS CBS, yeah. Yes. Trump might be bad for America or fascism might be bad for America, but it's great for ratings. ratings. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm like, so that right there was a huge, you know, a huge red flag, but then it's not even just the media. You also have the Democratic Party that made a number of mistakes along the way. You know, a lot of people have talked about some of these uh, some of these things that they did. So there are there are just agendas at work where people don't want to really own up to their own mistake. So it's easy to push something off on Russia because Russia Russia is just a natural enemy. You know, we've been combative with them in some way, shape, or form since the Cold War. So it fits 
narratives that they already sort of want to project anyway. And so now they're trying to bring black activists groups or, or movements or Black Lives Matter, whatever the case may be, into the discussion now with Russia, I personally believe as a way to, in the end, probably find a way to delegitimize these movements. Um, and it's mighty strange, I said this on Twitter, it's mighty strange how all of this is coming out around the same time when that report, the EIE report mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about, got leaked and I don't and I'm using air quotes when I say that because I don't I don't really know if it was leaked accidentally or intentionally. Um, that's kind of up in the air, but even if it was leaked accidentally, um, or someone I guess I guess you can say maybe like a whistleblower from the inside leaked the report to foreign policy. Um, I just think that the timing is very suspect. The timing oh, is Oh I absolutely agree. I mean again they have the that we are at a point right now where not much has come out. Okay, we know that Facebook turned over 3,000 approximately ads to rehash all this, right? We know that somewhat like 50-something percent of these ads ran actually after the camp, the, the presidential election cycle. We don't know explicitly what percentage was actual issue, divisive social issues, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, I've, been, I've been told that some of this stuff was as innocuous as like, you know, puppy, like animal ads, right? There's some that was some really divisive stuff. There were bots and trolls that have, you know, been on Twitter. There were pro-Trump ones. They just, it was, there was no rhyme or reason. It was just, it was chaos. You know, like I compared another group of people and this is the same type of thing. It's like the Joker just just wants mayhem, right? Um, But one of the things that I think is really interesting to keep in mind with all of this is the fact that there, it's not that it has not been known that social media, Facebook in particular, has been utilized for information gathering. As early as 2010, you know, um, Politico's analyst, Facebook itself, was aware of how people were using Facebook and the potential to influence voter behavior. It's it's already existed, right? Um, and there and there are news articles out there. So we don't need to blame playing Pokemon Go. We don't need to blame House of Cards or whatever. Like the information is out there. You know, think about people and behavior. But this 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 really this issue though that's coming up, Brian, about sowing discord and promoting divisive issues. You know, from a party in particular that wants to defeat Donald Trump. It's like Democrats, and this is where we get into the nuance about the identity politics conversation. Democrats will leverage these divisive social issues when it benefits them for positioning or footing to try and get votes. However, in this instance, because they need to justify, you know, the poor electoral showing in the presidential election cycle, now all of a sudden divisive social issues are what, you know, cause uh, Hillary Clinton ultimately is what people ultimately what they're saying when they're complaining about Trump being president is that it's the divisive social issues. It is focusing on issues raised by Black Lives Matter. It's focusing on issues of immigration. It's the response to these issues that is what caused Hillary Clinton to lose versus the fact that there were actually issues and problems in her campaign. Well, you see, that's the that's the thing that people don't want to own up to. And I know there are different camps. I don't really consider myself as being in a camp per se. Like I, I don't need to be independent for that. But um, I, I like so when a lot of these arguments and things like that are going on, I kind of take a step back. And instead of being reactive, I try to, you know, sort of gauge how both sides are, are looking at the situation. And honestly, people who had the foresight 
kind of knew what was going to happen. I mean, taking taking voter suppression out of the equation, because me and you, we talked about that right. uh, a couple of times already. Um, if voter suppression hadn't been as much of an issue as we think that it was, it's plausible or it's possible that she might have actually won. But that's that's up for debate. And that's that, in your home state in North Carolina. I mean, we exactly. have Michigan. We have Wisconsin. I mean, we have some. I mean, Wisconsin has a major case that's pending right now. So there are, there were a lot of different factors. I think what really bothers me the most is when this gets latched onto as the issue, as the cause, like the right. Russian interference was the thing. Right. And particularly now, as we continue to see, because again, the, the alleged Facebook ads, and if there were groups in sewing discord, we know that David Brock, the notorious little troll man that was right and now works with liberals and Dems, had his own little, you know, army of minions. We do know anecdotally of other, you know, troll farms and things like that being used to support particular candidates. Like this is not something that is just limited to Russian interference going one direction. I mean, it's, it happens internally. We know that, that, that the Koch brothers, we know that groups like Amarin and Alec do fund and, and, you know, different websites and postings and things that we, we know this type of stuff occurs. The um, but the I, I, family. <laughs> right, like, I mean, it, 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 from so many different, you know, we, we know there are remnants of 4chan elements that are out there as well. So we do know that all these social factors go in, but what's really disheartening, what's really bothersome for me is the way in which people are just latching onto this Russian narrative as the thing, as now becoming something to denigrate people's character, to undermine their careers, and to actually target and even temper, you know, issues being discussed. I mean, having all these, these conversations right now about black activists and if someone composes a Black Lives Matter, someone composes anyone. There's a whole damn show on MTV called Catfish for a reason because on the internet, you can be anybody you want to be without verification. Yeah. And part of the problem um, right now, though, is because there are the camps, as you talked about, because we are in such a, a, a tenuous time, it is very easy to begin to accuse and to malign the work of anyone that speaks out against injustice as being a Russian operative. Exactly. And that's that was honestly, I hate saying this, it was to be expected eventually. Because now we see usually now we see a whole different agenda that wasn't apparent at first. When this investigation first started, mm -hmm. now this you have this this separate agenda now seeping into the investigation as well, where it's almost like some people are like okay how how can we tie this in with groups of people that we don't really like, you know? So now they, they already don't like the Russians. That's why they're focusing so much on Russia to begin with. Right. But now they're like okay, let how can we tie the Russians in with, um, you know, black activism and black groups over here? So now. Whenever there's a march, whenever there's protest, um, whenever black people to get together and talk about black issues, there's going to be that air of um, trolling that goes on where people get called Russian operatives or people get called Russian bots. Even if it doesn't actually lead to anything, the mere fact that this is now being put out there along with that report, it, it's muddying the waters. And it's it, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's muddying the waters intentionally, you know, they're giving people talking points to use against uh, people who want to talk about state violence. And um, like I said, even if 
the reporting that because uh, I think when it comes to this uh, the reporting about the connections with the different black organizations, not organizations, but the black social media media profiles, that research was originally done in Russia, from what I read, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so even if we were to say that elements of that story might be true, there is something else that content creators, I think, need to be aware of, need to be mindful of. We do need to be careful about who we associate with. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm becoming skeptical of people who don't actually use their face in their profiles now, because I think both of those, both of the two uh, social media profiles that have been named, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, because one of them in particular I used to see all the time, they didn't actually have a, like a, a face of a person. It was it was just some standard picture. And so now I'm looking at that a lot of times, and I'm and I know everybody is not everybody's not questionable. Some people just put a logo. As, well, I, up, no, as and a, I think you have a really good point though on the flip side, right? Like I mean, I think that's a degree of info security. Um, and, and let's just be real. The real revolution, the real organizing we need to do, it's not going to happen on Twitter and Facebook. These are, these are platforms we have available to us because of their wide reach and the number of people who access them to share, you know, general information. But like you're saying, though, we do have to on the flip side, because I was reading some of the accounts that are like, you know, because it does, it sounds good. It sounds like something that's right in line. And I guess the allegation is that's what they do. They try to seem like they're normal and within the fabric and stuff. But what bothers me, the undercurrent of this entire, what, what's threaded throughout this whole conversation, this allegation and the way this, oh my God, Russia is being leveraged and thrown around. It's like, they're like lobbing bombs at people, right? And trying to really not just shake stuff up, but destabilize actual work to that, that that challenges the status quo and the status quo in this country is white supremacy i mean we, we cannot shy away from that at all you know two months ago after shardsville people were willing and ready to admit that and now all of a sudden russia and black activists and it's just like oh my god did you see it's funny how that works like huh? we're talking about divisive issues right it's funny how that works yeah after charlottesville i was on twitter it was like Charlottesville was still going on, and especially after Trump made his comments, yes. his, his uh, uh, both sides comments or both sides argument um, on Twitter, every single trend literally up and down from the top to like the last one was white supremacy, white supremacists, yep. um, white supremacists. And like it was it was crazy. That's all everybody was talking about. You know, so now you see a very concerted effort to create a false equivalency because they need these false equivalencies. You look at something like Vegas. Now I know in Vegas, you know, they're still running with a lone wolf narrative and there's no direct connection between him and white supremacy, at least not on the surface. But now you, you know, you look at Charlottesville, you look at um, another mass shooting in Vegas and everyone's talking about the second amendment. Everyone's talking about okay, is this guy connected maybe to a militia, whatever the case may be, was he working alone? So now all of a sudden you see false equivalency arguments being made because they need a way to distract away from that. Right. It's And it's it's obvious what's going on because the same thing that's happening now happened in the 60s. It happened in the 30s. It happened uh, during Reconstruction. I mean, there's a consistent... It's cyclical. No, yeah, exactly. There, there's a cyclical um, occurrence going on here where now we are sort of the modern version of what our ancestors did and what our ancestors were fighting for. And just like those previous instances, 
They needed to be subverted. They needed to be toppled in some way, shape, or form. Um, they needed to be infiltrated in some way, shape, or form. And there were all manners of, of psychological and psychological operation tactics and, and coins helpful tactics and all sorts of illegal and unillegal things that were done to bring these movements down. And we would be foolish to think that today, you know, just because we're so-called in this post-racial on paper society, you know what I'm saying, that that's somehow going to change or that's somehow going to be different. Right. It's not really all that different. And you can see exactly what's going on. You can see what this report, you can see how they're trying to change the subject. You can see how resistant they are in calling people like mass murderers, like uh, paddock terrorists, domestic terrorists and things like that. Uh, they cover up stories. Sean King did that, uh, wrote that article in The Intercept where, you know, he was talking about that terrorist attack, where the attempted terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, right here in North Carolina, like maybe 80, 90 miles from where I'm at, um, at an airport, I forgot the city. It wasn't Raleigh, but I forgot the city specifically. Um, and nobody talked about it. It hasn't been covered anywhere. You know, it's 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 really funny. It's really suspect. And um, the agenda against us is very real. You know, the agenda against anybody talking about black issues and talking about um, the need to do something about systemic oppression, um, they're there's a concerted effort to make sure that does, that discussion doesn't happen. So this is honestly, it's part of the game. Absolutely. And I think you touched on a really, you know, good point just there about what's not actually being covered and what's being covered instead and what we're being distracted from. Now, again, it's, you know, you guys, I, I, I tend not to like false flag arguments or conspiracy theories, but this is a very clear pattern, right, of, of conversation, of news coverage that's being, you know, steering us towards, you know, particular safe zones of coverage and of analysis because, it was really bothering me before this stuff came out, like even reading quotes a couple of weeks ago from Adam Schiff, um, Representative Adam Schiff saying, you know, you know, divisive social issues, like that language, because as black progressives, as black leftists, as black radicals, whatever the case would be, we hear this in spe- certain spaces when we want to talk about issues of oppression, marginalization, anti-racism, anti-imperialism. We hear this pushback from people, right? Don't talk about those issues because they're divisive. They make people uncomfortable. They rock the boat. And that's what really seems like is being sent down from dim to top brass all the way down through the ranks that we need to quell this growing movement because, because they can't control what's happening, right? They can control the make resistance because they're just trying to, you know, get whatever they're trying to get that's not really going to change anything. It's just going to take the balance of power away from Trump. Those of us who are focusing on the larger societal situational issues that exist, you know, this is not just a blip. Just because you're not someone who got, who got, you know, uh, uh, blasted in a rag paper like the Atlanta Journal-Constitution because you participated in an interview on Eugene Perrier's By Any Means Necessary, just because you're not one of those people, one of, one of the people like myself who's a regular contributor to that show that has amazing, amazing commentary, conversation, truthful, analytical uh, 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 discussion happening. Just because you're not one of those people doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. Right. The fact of the matter is that when we have an FBI, regardless of who's in charge, because when you remember when 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 Comey under President Obama started to increase surveillance of Black Lives Matter activists, 
uh, created the bogus Ferguson effect theory that had absolutely no grounding anything. So we have an FBI, regardless of who has been president, regardless of who has been in control in the Congress, that has targeted black activists and others of color who are who are fighting, who are pushing to undo the status quo, who are trying right to push back and rip away at the seams of the fabric that is, you know, marginalization, oppression, and systemic injustice in America. So we have all this that's already in the works, that's already happening on, on the law enforcement side. We can't just disregard or dismiss these articles, whether, again, it's an article in a rag paper like my, my local paper here, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, you know, insinuating that because someone appeared on a show without regard to any of the content, nuance, understanding, or fact-based analysis of what was said on that show, because of the fact of the matter that it is a topic that is uncomfortable in America, not everyone agrees upon, it's divisive and therefore it's Russian intervention. The logical leaps that are happening, the lengths at which people are going through to undermine not only good work being done by good people, but also people's political careers. Like this is this has got to the, the like like the stories that came out today, the past two days. It's getting to the point where this is being leveraged in a way to just outright silence black progressives, black activists, and black politicos. It's it's really really getting scary. Right, and exactly. And what's interesting is uh, the Congressional Black Caucus actually came out against that report, right? Mm -hmm. And the Democratic Party, as far as I'm aware. They're silent. Like I haven't heard anything from any of the higher brass within the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party historically, I'm an independent. I used to be in the Democratic Party, but I'm one of the people who kind of kind of you know left out for a while. Um, the Democratic Party historically has not uh, been there for us on a lot of these issues. Why is that? It's because the Democratic Party on the local level, on the state level, and at times even on the federal level. Um, especially under the Clinton administration, um, have been participants in a lot of these laws getting passed. They've been participants in creating this system and creating this culture and propagating this culture that has been detrimental to their constituents, to actually their largest group of constituents, which is Black people. Um, so their silence on this quite, quite literally is, is very definite. And you see with the example um, that you were talking about uh, in Georgia, where they're now trying to um, tie her and her campaign in with the Russia conspiracy, like it's, it's disgusting. What it's, happened, it's, what happened no, today in Georgia? It's absolutely disgusting. Well, I guess and, we need to explain for folks maybe checking in um, what happened today but, in Georgia. So what happened? What 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 was released um, was a piece by Greg Bluestein. Um, who is a reporter with the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution um, and wrote a piece, uh, and, and I, I'm kicking myself because I printed it out. I was at work earlier. I printed it out and left part of it on my desk, right? Um, and my job is very far away, so I'm not driving back to get this piece of paper. But from the pieces I do have, you know, I, you know, we know that the piece was later updated. He put the piece up initially. It was very, very unprofessional. It was extremely limited and lacked understanding of anything. And it was ex purposefully misleading. The piece 
uh, discussed a high-level member of Stacey Abrams, who's running for can who's running for governor here in Georgia, um, mm-hmm. of her campaign that had did interviews on Sputnik News on on a Russian uh, a, a Kremlin-backed news outlet that is under federal investigation. Okay, so that was that is a purposefully misleading intro to the fact that this staffer gave an interview as a part of a conversation, a dialogue, like I mentioned, on Eugene Perrier's By Any Mean Necessary. Eugene Perrier has had, I'm a regular contributor, Ben is. But people even bigger or quote unquote greater than us, Jane Klebe, who is the the Democratic Party chair for Nebraska. You've had members of the senior staff of Rewire News um, you have had people from AFL-CIO, I believe from, I think it was either Indiana or Iowa. You've had people, other folks from unions and other progressive. Dennis Kucinich has done several interviews with Eugene per year. Um, you've had folks from Planned Parenthood. You had uh, the national vice president from the National Lawyers Guild. You've had so many people who have interacted and conversed with Eugene because Eugene is someone of high character and moral fiber and creates conversation and discourse. And guess what? He don't like Donald Trump neither. Like right. Eugene's show has been highly critical and offering really good analysis. So if we're if the issue has been concern about misinformation and Russia's putting Russians putting things out there that would confuse people, Eugene's show is actually something that people should listen to regardless of what station it is hosted on. Eugene's show is distributed through iTunes, through uh, 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 iHeartRadio, through so many other mediums, and yes, it's also on the Radio Sputnik platform. The, the interview was not with Sputnik News, as continues to be in the article even now with the edition, but the original version of this piece that went up earlier today did not have anything about Eugene, about his show, about the type of show, about what was said, anything. It had very misleading, intentionally inflammatory rhetoric, and all it did was like, Staffer, Kremlin-owned media, Stacey Abrams, Russia, that was it. It doesn't really, matter whether you support her. There. Right. It doesn't matter whether you support her or not. Like that's irrelevant. And like I said this summer, because like you, Brian, I don't identify as a Democrat. I haven't been a Democrat. I have not identified as a Democrat as a part of my identity since 2010. I mean, right. quite honestly, it's never been a part of my identity. It's just the way I voted because that's what has made sense. No but, tradition. But since 2010, when I found out that in West Virginia, I didn't have to be registered, I could be unaffiliated. And the West Virginia Democrats, as we have seen with Joe Manchin and that pitiful excuse of a governor who flipped back to Republican Jim Justice, they're nuts. So I was happy to not have to be tied to them in 2010. And when need be, I am I'm I feel free. I'll vote for third party candidates when I feel like it. I vote for Democrats if I feel like, you know, that's what I need to do as well. That that is the choice that I have. Party the party affiliation is not a part of who I am or my identity. But what exactly. was so problematic about this, and this is part of why when we protested at Netroots in this summer, the issue continues to be the way in which Stacey Abrams is held to a completely different standard. She's attacked in a completely different manner by a completely biased media that is hand over fist in the tank for her opponent, Stacey Evans. Now that's fine if you're gonna be biased, but at least be honest about your bias and stop acting like you're trying to do something that's new, newsworthy. This attack on Stacey Abrams and the staffer in question lacked journalistic integrity. And even the revamped version, as if the original, like the fact that you put that up, like that actually went up on their sites. 
Right. And then they went back and redid it and added in like three full paragraphs of information. How do you put up a post without like three whole paragraphs of information? Yes. And including statements like what was actually said on the show was was non-controversial. Yeah, right? it, it, said, it said that specifically, exactly. Right. What was said was non-controversial, but he did the interview. Are you serious? Like, do you, you, so your candidate obviously has not a leg to stand on. You can't touch Abrams on the issues, so y'all got to keep doing dumb stuff like this. And now all of a sudden, Russia's the new thing. Like, you this, know is, this is ridiculous. You know one of the things that uh, the author of that article pointed out in the article, and as soon as I read it, I was like, aha, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see why this little hit piece was written. They mentioned her uh, support for the taking down of the Stone Mountain Monument. I'm like, oh, it's, it's interesting how that was put in there. Um, you, you know, they just kind of threw, because they, they sang when um, the staff- That's went the dog whistling. <laughs> So let me just stop and yeah. stop you right there. That's the dog whistling right there. That's yeah. to, to, to make this an issue because the opponent, Stacey Evans, believes in a, a, I forget what she phrases it, something, some type of history that's like more inclusive. So basically, we leave the pretty racist monuments in place. And granted, Stone Mountain is beautiful. It really is. I mean, not the actual etching itself. That's actually very skilled work, but still, like the site, the mountain itself, it's, it's, it's an amazing place to be. But it does have a, the Confederate flags, the, the the etchings in the mountain, like it is problem. So her thing is like leave it as it is, but put a few other you know pretty other relics in there to make it more inclusive. No, and so they sharply differ there, and they've had pieces about that as well. Um, but you can tell the difference with this paper and the tone and the way they cover the two women, right? And so my issue continues to be yes keep them both accountable on the issues, but that's not happening. Only one is being held accountable on the issues and then at the same time being dragged through the mud by our only major paper as a whole. And, and that influence, and Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Cox Media, it influences so much else in the news. This story then gets picked up locally and people only regurgitate the bullshit headline. Excuse my language, everyone. They only regurgitate the headline. They only regurgitate the terror tactics because this so-called political reporter who couldn't even do the damn due diligence to get comments from people correct because in the original piece, he has some statement from the campaign that obviously some phone calls was made and he took some stuff out and changed it all around. Like the piece was trash. And like, this is where we're going because all you have to do is say, ha, Russian, and then you're messing right. up people's careers. Like the staff mm -hmm. question stepped down because he was hoping that he could make this go away to not impugn the character or the work of his candidate like a staffer should. Like we, we are trying to stifle, not we are trying to, they are trying to stifle the presence of black consultants, black campaign workers in particular, right? Those who are in higher level positions who don't fit the, the little mold of respectability. And this is a problem. It's part of the overall attempt that there is going on in the Democratic Party right now to make sure um, non-establishment black progressives don't gain political power. Um, definitely not on the statewide level, definitely not on the federal level. Um, and you don't really see anybody 
any like real, really strong black progressives um, in a position to take the mantle and, and potentially run in, t- in 2020 against Trump. And so they want to make sure they're looking ahead in the future. And this is another one of the, the agendas, I think, behind the BIE report. They're looking at what's going on now and they're looking at social media, they're looking at some of the stuff that's being said, and they're projecting in the future for the potential that that could turn into more proactive political action where people start running for office at the local level, like actual real non-establishment, non-conventional progressives. Um, people start running you know, for governor across the country. Perhaps one day might get someone who runs for president on a federal level, on a national level. So. They want to try to nip this in the bud now, and they're going to stop. They're going to pull out all the stops, basically, and they're going to drag people's name through the mud to do that. And it's it's really uh, I mean, we just have to fight back against it. And we have our platforms. We have our um, we have the reach that we have and people that we know that we can communicate with, and um, and really call out this BS and like problematic clickbait articles like this when they come along. Well, and that's the problem, too, because problematic articles continue to get picked up, right? They continue to link to the same pieces. Like, even in his piece where he's talking about how it's a Kremlin-backed apparition and da-da-da-da-da, you know, the BBC is owned, is is, is a government-run station. And again, not saying that there isn't anything inappropriate or improper or anything that's stressful that could come you know, from in terms of Russian held uh, uh, holdings. I mean, America has what Voice of America, VOA. It's a couple of different stations that are broadcast elsewhere. What is interesting. So when I was trying to look and to see, you know, kind of like how this works on the flip side, Russia actually banned VOA. I think it was in either 2013 or 2014. So in the past few years, VOA was no longer allowed to be distributed in Russia. Right. Um, I think they can only get it if possible on the Internet. And it's the same, it's, 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 it's the op, it's the American version of like Sputnik and RT, right? Like it broadcasts giving people in other countries, local voice, local opportunity to express themselves and things of that nature. And there are a couple of other, um, types like that too. We get, uh, Teleser is another one that we get here. I mean, there are, there are tons and not saying that they're all the same, but at the same time, we need to stop acting like there is equal access to media platforms in this country for people to vocalize their issues and discuss with intelligence, right? Critical analysis and clear and concise, you know, conversation, things that are happening. And I go back to Eugene's show because it pisses me off so much because it is such, he, he is so professional and brilliant with his work. And while the article uses him as a vehicle to attack, you know, a candidate here, I mean, quite honestly, this type of article labeling him and his show as a Kremlin backed operation, you know, when he has creative control, he does his own guests, he sets up his own segment, he focuses on the issues in the news that he finds important. How do I know? Because he's my colleague and he's my friend, and not only have I been on his show, but I also talked to, you know, I've talked to him. I have not been shamed if if I've said things that have been more positive about Democrats. I've not been shamed if I said things that are very negative or contrary about Trump. We were actually in, Ben and I actually were sitting in Eugene's studio um, a few blocks away from K Street 
right when the massive kettling was happening during the inauguration and they were tear gassing and kettling everyone in. We left the area primarily because with my adult onset asthma without a gas mask or my inhaler, it could have been very seriously uh, problematic for me health-wise. So, so we went to Eugene's office and we did an interview with him instead. But like, this is someone that's organizing in the ground and maybe, I, I don't know, it just, it's not just, even if it was somebody who wasn't, and I think about all the different people who have been on his show, who have participated in dialogue and conversation. And if anyone actually took the time to listen to the show, but as we know with Americans, people don't look past headlines. They don't look past inflammatory statements often. And that is how we are in the mess we are in now. And we cannot just simply say the Russians did this when American media as a whole does it. How many sitting Democrats go on Fox News? There are a couple who will go on Fox News who do not challenge any of the BS, the rhetoric, but they'll go on Fox News because that is the platform that's available to them to make solid points that they feel need to be made. Right. So, I mean, it's what we're going to have to do eventually because they're really terrified for the most part of, uh, of what we're doing right now. Me and you, we are actually, in our way, and honestly, platforms larger than our own, um, the platform that you are on and, and other platforms like it, um, we are challenging the status quo um, with every breath that we take, every article that we write. And the system that was set up a long time ago to control the narrative, that system is falling apart. You see, so... When they, this is I said on uh, I said on Twitter this is uh this is really the red scare 3.0 or this is the third red scare. It and is, it's another red scare coupled with yeah. COINTELPRO. No, you're absolutely right. Exactly, they had the first one and uh, like the 19, 1917, 1920 mm-hmm. time period. Then they had the second one that most people know about during the uh during the Hoover Hoover during the Hoover era, mm-hmm. and now. It's moving into a, a third phase where we see that old playbook being dust off. And, you know, they can just throw out these, like you said, these vague connections. You know, oh, this person's being investigated because of ties to Russia. And this person went on a show um, for, you know, talking and interviewing with that person who's being investigated. So what are, what are you implying, really? Are you implying that money exchanged hands? Are you applying that... Um, Favors uh, were given palms or breeze. Absolutely. It's, of course, they, they don't actually say that. They don't put that in the article because they know that there's no evidence for that. None. But they make the insinuation, they make the connection, implying that um, something like that is going on. And like you said, people don't people just read headlines and they skim through the article. They don't really read the de- details of it a lot of times. And they allow people to come to their own conclusions. This is a delegitimizing method. Mm-hmm. The purpose is to um, throw, really throw water on the flame of black progressivism, which has really taken off, especially over the past few years. You see it online. You see how people are organizing um, in St. Louis. You see uh, how people are trying to get politically active. I was never in that. I, I don't want to use ableist language, but I was never in that that camp where people were trying to tell other people not to vote. Because they thought that so there was two, there were two lines of thought. Some people said, "Well, we shouldn't vote because it'll force the Democrats to be more progressive." And then you had other other people who were saying, "We shouldn't vote because it will force the Democrats to focus on black issues." Neither of those have happened. 
you have to be politically active. You can't cede your political power if you want political progress. Seeking your political, prog- uh, your political power means you lose political access. And you lose political progress. And so they see that and they see how people, they're trying, they see how people are running for office and people are actually trying to live up to standards that they were raised to believe in and not taking it over and taking money uh, through, through, uh, through a lot of these companies, the pharmaceutical companies, the oil companies, the lobbyists in general. And um, it's, it's a threat to the entire system that they've created. So they're going to um, lie by any means necessary to get people not to vote for people running for those positions. And we just have to double down ourselves. I mean, that's the best that we can do. And can running as well. Don't don't allow these scare tactics to prevent you from uh, getting politically active yourself, because that's another thing that they want to do. They put these reports out there. They put these connections out there because they know when somebody comes around and they say, "Hey, you know, I'm a yada yada yada. I'm a black progressive. Why don't you get politically active? Why don't you get involved?" In the back of that person's head, they're going to be like, "Uh, I don't really know if I should associate with this person because." I read some vague clickbait headline about somebody in these movements being connected to Russia. I don't really know the details, but I'm just going to stay away from it. That's what they want to have happen. So they want to, it's uh, it's like killing two birds with one stone. They want to destroy the movement while at the same time preventing other people from coming in and picking up that mantle. mantle. Continuing where they left off. It's, it's very and, and another example of how we're seeing this very real scare tactic play out in real life. Just this weekend, um, just the other day, one of my mentors, Donna Davis, was uh, with uh, the mutual aid disaster relief team from Tampa. They were in Puerto Rico doing relief. I mean, they were, you know, doing drop-offs, doing pickups. They were, they had a big truck. They had some vehicles. They were like getting really up there into communities where where FEMA had not gotten to yet. And the church where they were staying at, because of, you know, the media and how Antifa has been, you know, painted a certain way and not that they were necessarily anti-fascist, but at the same time, like, I mean, and not that it's a problem if anyone is anti-fascist, but like the church, the people at the church were so twisted around, they were convinced that they were up to something that was wrong even though they were only there doing good work and they had the police called on them in the middle of the night. So there was like a Humvee in actual police vehicles and they were detained for, for some time. And I mean, ultimately they were let go and they were able to go on, but they had to vacate where they were at. So they're, 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 you know, their, their station where they had been, you know, dealing with all their setting up their, you know, um, ugh, setting up, for their dispatches and things like that. They had to completely change gears last minute, but they were able to continue out the rest of their their deliveries. But this type of misinformation, this type of mischaracterization is not just undermining, you know, a bunch of internet activists. There are people who are really trying to do work on the ground. There are people who are trying to build capacity with communities. And this type of work really undermines, you know, the efforts they have. The other thing I want to note on, you said something really interesting about undermining the work of non-establishment, you know, candidates, progressives, by labeling or accusing them of these things. What's really interesting about the case down here in Georgia, Stacey Abrams is the House minority leader, right? She's a Democrat establishment darling nationwide. 
And so to see the ugliness that is being reared, I mean, Southern Dixiecrats are rising up in a very disgusting way. We just also saw uh, in Virginia, um, I'm trying to get the, the, the brother's full name. Justin is his first name. He's running for Lieutenant Governor, Justin Fairfax. He's running for Lieutenant Governor. They sent out a nationwide, there was a nationwide, um, not nationwide, a statewide mailer went out in Virginia for the, the Democrat slate. And they left, how you leave the black guy running for, for Lieutenant Governor off? You have the guy running for governor. You have the guy running for Attorney General. You don't have the a Lieutenant Governor who runs with the governor. How does that make any sense? So right. like, you know, Dixiecrats, you know, they're, they're, they're stepping up. They're a whole nother breed. You know, Democratic Party is so busy worrying about dog whistling and appealing to, you know, the white suburban voters. They're the ones that continue to let you down time and time again when you vote. It's not about doing meaningless identity politics. It's about really taking a step back, not trying to cut off marginalized people and shove them into boxes, but actually building with folks around the issues. So, Brian, I know you have a piece coming out um, in Progressive Army tomorrow, I think. Can you just tell right. me a little bit, give us a little preview? Right. So that one in particular was about, uh, I wrote that maybe two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. I envy yeah. your ability to write. I'm, I'm still trying to break Honestly, through this three-month writer's block I've had. Believe it or not, I'm trying to get better. Like I'm trying to get to the point where I'm putting something out every day. I just, I just can't do it. I'm always distracted. But um, yeah, that particular article is about. Um, now, see, this is, is taking it off into a different topic, but it kind of ties in a little bit because that deals with the kneeling, um, not the protesting of the national anthem as it has been framed in the media, mm -hmm. but um, the using of that moment to take a knee during the national anthem mm -hmm. to protest state violence. They want to keep avoiding that topic like the plague. They want to have no discussion about that whatsoever. Um, and so that's what, it's, that's what it's about. And the title of the article is, I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head, uh, the relationship between, uh, the, it's, not, it's not the problematic relationship, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's mm -hmm. the relationship between blackness uh, the problematic relationship between blackness and uh, hyper-patriotism. I think that's oh, the word. Okay, okay. And it's about two pages long in Microsoft Word format. And I basically go into um, why, why we're doing, or at least why we advocate the players do what they do, because they're really supporting us. You know, we're... We're lending our local support to them because we don't want them to be blackballed and we don't want another Kaepernick situation. But they are actually picking up the mantle uh, and, and running with it, on, at least they're attempting to, um, to shed light on this issue of state violence. And looking, thinking about that report, think about this. Um, this is yet another reason why stuff like that gets written. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at the activism around uh, Take a Knee, or take to the hear Ray Lewis take two. <laughs> um, <laughs> that and what's crazy about that's that? That's a whole other story. What's crazy about that is I'm from Baltimore, like originally. I don't know if people are hearing it in my accent. I've been down here in Dagon, North Carolina for so long. But um, yeah, like I'm, when I used to watch football, I've been completely tuned out this season. Um, I was actually a Ravens fan, and it's just so depressing to see somebody that you've looked up to for so many years turn out to be such a 
such an incredible disappointment on the, the most important issue facing the community. And um, they see what's going on. They see how social media is being leveraged to shed light on that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to tamper. They want to take that out. They want to make sure people don't run for office. The actual report, I have it right in front of me. Um, I want to read something in particular. Yeah, go ahead. So it says in the beginning of the report, right, it says the FBI assesses that it is very likely some BIEs, <laughs> I, and I'm laughing, it's not funny, but it, it's silly. This report is, uh, and on my video that I did on YouTube, I called it like Lord of the Rings counterintelligence. Like this is... This is uh, this is something that you were writing. You were writing, you know, fantasy fiction or, or science fiction or something. But it says the FBI. It's assesses, RPG. It's, it's RPG. Like, <laughs> an RPG or something. It says the FBI assesses, assesses it is very likely some BIEs are influenced by a mix of anti-authoritarian, more science citizen ideology and BIE ideology. They're they've made up terms because they see all of this stuff happening. They see the uh, stuff happening in the NFL because this has been going on since last year. And I know this report came out. Mm-hmm. It was technically written a few months ago, like I, I believe back in April or May sometime. Right. They, knew they had to project into the future. And they knew that this was going to continue to be an issue because people were talking about Colin Kaepernick not being on the team all throughout the, throughout the offseason. Right. Okay. And they, see, they see how uh, people are leveraging their platforms to talk about issues that this country doesn't want to address. They see reports like last year, for instance, uh, being released by the United Nations. Um, basically, uh, I, I'm going to use the right words. They uh, it was uh, it was a, a, a group out of Geneva. I can't think mm-hmm. of the uh, particular. It was an African associated group out of Geneva that's connected to the UN that basically said the United States government um, owes reparations to Black people, to African Americans because of racial terrorism. And it connected, um, it made a logical connection between police involved shootings of people of color and lynchings from the past. Mm-hmm. And to have the, uh, like an organization, and uh, look, they, there's only but so much that they can do. They can't actually force any type of policy changes here in America that would have to, but the mere fact that that group is actually lending their voice to this issue you see everyone around the world talking about these issues. Um, actually, I saw something, as a matter of fact, I think it was in the UK or one of those European countries. They were playing soccer, and the soccer team in a completely different country, they took a knee. It was like it was like one was black a, player. And it was a white team. Yeah, I was about to say that. It was like one black player, player on the team. Everybody else was white. So they see how this stuff is gaining traction. And when Ferguson happened, and by the way, the feds have been monitoring black activists at least that we know of since 2004. Of course, we know it goes back before that. But um, ever since they, first, honestly, they probably never, they probably never stopped. They probably, they have probably always maintained yeah. some degree of, and it, and it picks up a bit over here and there. But they probably but they, never this stopped. Is a, really, this is a major threat to them. And check this out. I said a mix of of anti-authoritarian. When have you ever heard someone try to? spin being anti-authoritarian, which is basically anti-tyranny, anti-dictatorship, as being something bad that should be watched and monitored. 
The same thing with the way they they flip anti-fascism, right, as being something that's bad to be monitored or, or, or dangerous or whatever. I mean, no, there 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 is a very thin line, right, between all of this stuff. And when you look at the, the, the ultimately the goal is to protect, you know, the status quo, um, and and to do so. Uh, because even when you listen to Hillary Clinton speak sometimes, she speaks in such general terms, it can mean that both sides stuff, right? Because these people want to undo what we built in this government and, and things are, America's already great. And there's so much in the cold language within how she speaks that that could be used against any of us who seek to effectuate change on a systemic level as well. And, and who was... Who was one of the people trying to convince her not to talk about Black Lives Matter issues? Was that not Harvey Weinstein? No, why did you go there? <laughs> I'm why, just, why you hit me I'm with just, the Weinstein said? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. You have these very, you know, these, these politicians just take money from anybody. They don't really question. Um, they don't really question who they're taking money from, and then you find out that you have these very problem—not to use that word again—these very suspect. I know it's so bad. We need another. You guys help us figure out. Help me find another word. My word that I'm going to use is suspect. I'm, I'm trying to use that as, as often as possible. My new word here. is caucasity. The caucasity of it all. <laughs> I can't remember which one of you brilliant friends of mine taught me that word, but the caucasity of it all. Well, it's, you know, it's it's debatable. It's 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 questionable. You know, it's uh, but yeah, they have these people. They have these people giving them money, and you see that they are um, not the most not the most trustworthy individuals. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, it's it's completely about maintaining the status quo. Um, they see the demographic the demographic shift that's going on right now in this country. It's very slow, but it's actually very prominent because. Who are becoming more influential because of the demographic shift are people who have a more left-leaning uh, political outlook. So you look at you know the older generation, you know the baby baby boomer uh, baby boomer generation, the generation that came after them. They are much more conservative. They came up in a much different time period mm -hmm. uh, where certain ideas were more were more commonplace and certain you know right-wing. Philosophies were more prominent, and right. that's changing now. There's a whole new generation. There, there's going to be a time when the millennial generation is going to be the generation that's going to be in power. And some of us, not all of us, there's some millennials that I don't know what people are thinking, but yeah, like you, you know, when millennials get in power and when we are the dominant group, the dominant generation, and our descendants, our children, and our grandchildren. Are going to be even more liberal and more to the left than us. Um, right. Eventually, you're going to see a political shift that occurs in this country, and you have a concerted effort to make sure that political shift, that leftward shift, that moving of the uh, the Overton window, as a lot of people say, back to the left where it's supposed to be or where it should be. Um, there's a concerted effort to make sure that doesn't happen, or at least it's as slow as possible. Mm -hmm. But they're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure uh, real progressives don't actually gain any any sort of footing anywhere in America. And the Democrats, they I hear a lot of people saying this, they're more comfortable with fascists and pseudo-fascists and neo-fascists being in power than they are with, with real progressives and actual progressives. Because the fascists, at the end of the day, they're still corporatists. They're still plutocrats. Right. 
where you you know you get people on the left, you have a lot of people who are democratic socialists, you get a lot of people who question capitalism. You have, you have there's a there's a, a wide range of different political philosophies on the left that are are that they've stood against for a very long time. Right, right, so. absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, this is only the tip of the iceberg. There are many more conversations that happen, not because I'm obsessed with Russia, but seriously, we got to have honest conversations and dialogue about this topic in particular, because the way it is being used to mischaracterize, to vilify, to undermine the work, the, 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 the possibility, right, for addressing systemic issues in this country, it's absolutely necessary that we, we, we take the bull by the horns and, and meet it head on. Um, the other thing I just want to just reiterate, like we just, we briefly touched on is be smart, be smart about who you're following, who you're liking, who you're sharing from, who you're signing up for more information, like really take some time. I mean, yes, a website, it sometimes seem, makes things seem more official than they are a Facebook group, but seriously, take a step back and ask questions. Don't be so focused on the fact that, yeah, this is saying something that, that fits my own opinion, confirmation bias. Take a step back is this even factually accurate? Or even if this post is, are the other posts? I mean, there is something to be said about how we as organized activists, as Americans in general, need to do better about vetting information and the people who are divulging, you know, or sharing said information. I mean, we see it a lot with some of the different folks that, that have gotten really big with their media platforms. Look at, look at what they're putting out there. Is that conducive and consistent with forward-moving action that's going to liberate us? If not, move on. Yeah, and it, it's very easy. Is what this particular individual is saying is that actually going to help people, especially yeah. people that they claim to advocate for all day, every day, but they put out these ideas that are counterproductive and don't actually help people? If you see that happening, you got you have to wonder, okay, this. Is this person somebody I can trust? Right. Is this person actually somebody that I should be following? You know, um, yeah, everybody should do that. Everybody should definitely double check. I've had to actually do that in the last few days. I actually went through my friend list and I was like, okay, mm. should I actually be following this person? Yeah, I saw some profiles where I was like, yeah, I'm going to click unfollow on this because some people I was following, I was following like since um, I first joined Facebook. Yeah, I first started using Twitter like a long time ago, like when I first got on and started talking about politics. And now after like more than two years later, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is time for me to start distancing myself mm -hmm. from some of these individuals because I don't really know what their agenda is. I know what they say, right? But they say things that, that contradict other things that they say. So, yeah, I think everybody should do that. Right, right. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining me this evening. We definitely need to follow up. I look forward to seeing your piece tomorrow. You guys check out Brian. Um, Brian, where can they find you? How can people find out more of your stuff, get in touch with you? You can find me primarily on Twitter. That's where I spend most of my time. I have a Facebook, but I, I kind of neglect it. Um, so, yeah, my Twitter is um, Black and Intellectual. That's that's my Twitter name. You can uh, It's at underscore Black Intellect. So that's where you can find me. Send me a friend request. I communicate with everybody. Yeah, you know? you're really good about that stuff. Yeah, if you, if you message me, I will definitely message you back. It might not be right away, but you're definitely going to get a response. Great, great. Well, thank you again so much for joining me. You guys, this has been another edition of The Way with Fanoa. Um, thank you so much to everyone, new patrons and old alike. 
Thank you to folks who liked, shared, and subscribed. If you haven't already done so, please do so now. Whether you're on Facebook or you're on Twitter watching via Periscope or if you're on good old-fashioned YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit the like, share the video, spread the word. Um, looking forward to continuing to bring you guys more great work. I think I have a maybe another conversation scheduled for this week. Surprise, surprise. We'll see who it is. Um, but definitely we'll have to bring Brian back to have some more of this conversation and, and, and other stuff as well. So thank you again, Brian. All right. Have a good night, everyone.